Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings on of Ambridge. I'm Philippa Hall, looking for some scrap canvas for the fake marquee. And I'm Katie Plumpton, trying to help with the signage for the stall. And then there's you lot, our lovely Dumpty Dummers, stuffing toy ferrets for Clary. But will you get enough done before the day of the fate? Well, Dumpty Dum is the people's podcast. And on this episode, we have 11 caller innerers. Plus, we have a plot prediction and a WhatsApp innerer. We hear from... Tracy, who thinks George is out of control. Glyn, who is wondering about the camping trip. Jen, who wants us to think about Fallon. Laura, who has questions that need answering. Rob, who's trying to understand George's intentions. David, who is wondering when Emma will draw the line. Claire from Clapham, who doesn't understand why Johnny's going away. Catherine, who is back from the pub and has questions. Bernadette, who's concerned about the issue of class. Richard, who is seething about George. Catherine, for the second time, who's just heard Friday's episode. And Hannah, who is hooked. Plus, we have a plot prediction from Lillian. We have The Week in Ambridge by R. Suey, A two-minute history of pigs in Ambridge by Stephen. A roundup of the Dumpty Dum Facebook group by Bernadette. And the three Twitter gongs, bronze, silver and gold by Purple Pumpkin. Marvellous. Now, before Katie and I start chatting too much, let's remind ourselves of what happened this week with a roundup of The Week in Ambridge from R. Suey. Hello lovely people, it's Siri Queen or Tart on the Twitters here, and another week in Ambridge. Been a game of two halves this week. We had proof that Brad is a thoroughly decent young man who bought flowers for Mia to take to her mum's grave, and that George is turning into a total villain with absolutely no redeeming features. Along the way, Henry has suddenly become George's prodigy, whose advice was to ignore what his parents say and do what he, Henry, wants to do, and make sure he doesn't get caught. I think we can all see the influence of both Joe and Eddie Grundy in that one. After all the things that George said last week to his parents, you would have thought he'd be handed his packed bag and have the little Grange door slammed in his face. But instead, he has started his revenge campaign of Hannah, persuading Will they should move into number one, the green, by which he meant Will and George. He seemed most put out when Will said that they would do, but they'd also be taking Poppy. Oh, I do feel sorry for her. She's going to end up there skivvy with an incompetent father and a misogynistic git for a brother. All they need to do is evict Hannah and Johnny and then the Ambridge blooming fairy turned up and sent Johnny off to Ecuador for six months on a boat. All very clunky. George took Hera and Henry to the skate park. The grooming continued when George sorted out finding a number of a sort of relative for Henry to contact. Is it Rob or Miles, do we think? 
George apparently listens to Henry and treats him like an equal. Every teenager has ever existed has said that. Quick aside, Stella sounded the death knell for the cherries as they're no longer cost-effective. Brian is going to let Adam know. That Brian, you know, the one that walked away from the farm and no longer has a say in the day-to-day running. Anyway, Stella and Pip are going to go on a trial camp with Rosie. It all sounds utterly ghastly. Will got the short straw of telling Hannah she was out on her ear. Later, George went round to wind her up, warning her to keep the place spotless, because when he moves in, he'll be inspecting every corner. Hannah saw through him, though. But Will is manipulated further by George. Do you know, I felt quite sick when he'd finished saying it could be a positive thing for Hannah, because she might want to move nearer to her mum and have a closer relationship with her, just like he and Will are doing by moving into number one. So really, everyone's a winner. And finally, Eddie is making a marquee out of some poles and canvas and pocketing the hire fee. So how many health and safety breaches are we looking at then? I'll be back on tonight with a quick Friday update. I can barely bring myself to listen to more of George. Just a very quick addition because I've just listened to Friday's episode. Rob and Henry have talked and Rob swore him to secrecy. Oh, that's not going to end well. The truth came out about the cherries and Adam was right put out. But Brian laid down the law about what Adam can do now. So, another week in Ambridge. Talk to you next time. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Suey. What a week it's been. But Katie, what have you been up to this week? Well, the mega highlight, I think probably for both of us, has been the Barbie film. <laughs> Tell me, what did you think? I loved it. I, it was funnier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And when she was in her dream house, I just kept leaning over to my boyfriend and I kept going, I want that lamp, I want that bed, I want her house, I want this, I want that. It was just everything I wanted in that world. Yeah, when I was in, there was um, a little girl, I don't know, she must have been about five or six, and in the middle of the film I heard her say, Mummy, what's a patriarchy? And I was like, girl, sit down with a notebook, we've got things to talk about. Did the whole cinema turn round? Yes. <laughs> they were like, well. Yes, where do we start? Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed, there were some bits of the film that I loved, but the ending, I don't know, I, I didn't... The yeah. conclusion wasn't all that I wanted. I, I wasn't quite expecting that ending. I'm not sure what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. No spoilers, obviously. Yes, no spoilers. But we both wore pink. We we, we did a bit for for the world for Barbie. Definitely, it was quite funny. I did I did want to go up to the counter though in my whole pink outfit and just kind of see their faces when I said, "Oh, can we have two tickets to Oppenheimer?" Yeah. Well, a lot of people were watching both. So, yeah, I think it would have been a good balance, but maybe another day. Definitely. Yeah, we're seeing that one next week. Oh, very good. That one should be good. Looking forward to it. Excellent stuff. We have things to talk about, don't we, Katie, about this week? Absolutely. We need to get on to the most important bit, which is you lot, our lovely caller inners. Hello, Ambridge3962. And first of all, we have Tracy, who thinks George is out of control. Okay, Tracy from California here. Yeah, so let me just address George first. George is out of control. I bet they're just going to whine his name like they do with everybody. Like, George, Pip, I'm so sick of that. But I don't understand why that's always the response to child misbehavior. And I also don't understand people with children on the show. If I ever spoke to my parents the way that the kids on this show speak to their parents, I would be a hashtag R.I.P. Tracy. Hashtag R.I.P. Tracy. I will, there would be no more me. But there's no way. So this is not normal. Not in everybody's house. And this is it's preposterous. And, and I know that nobody's going to shut him down. Because, like, somebody needs to be like, let me get this straight. You just got fired. You called your mama a S-word. You just had a screaming fit in a tantrum. Now you want to kick paying tenants out of this out of this house so you can move in because all of a sudden you have this intense desire for a male body. Boy, bye. <laughs> like nobody's going to shut him down and let him know that he, that is not OK. And we see why you can't just let children run wild or, you know, behave that way because then they act that way with you and then you... Uh, r- unleash them on the world and then we have 
terrible presidents. <laughs> they turn into terrible presidents. Also, the fact that Rob is dying does not change anything. I don't know why Lee is talking like, I don't, I don't get it. Who cares about the fact that he's dying? Like, that's not heartless. Rob, it's not like he just stole Helen's bike. He's a rapist and a manipulator and a sociopath and just an all-around horrible person. My mother made me take dance classes, and she told me, one day you'll thank me. And I did. So they need to just make decisions that they know are good for the kids and call it a day. All right, that's my time. Bye. Yes, thank you, Tracy. Preach it, sister. That is just right. When Tracy said, this is not normal. Yes, welcome to to Ambridge. None of it is normal. (laughs) And Lise, at the start of the week, just as Tracy said, thinking that... You know, Rob should meet the kids. The danger is that Lee thinks he knows Rob now, having met him, and he doesn't realise that he's been manipulated. At the end of the week, when Rob was talking to Henry and Henry mentioned Lee and Rob said something along the lines of, well, yes, he's with you for now. You know, Rob's got his plan. And Helen needs to sit Henry down as well and talk to him because otherwise, if you don't, there are consequences and Henry's not protected from Rob, as we heard on Friday. But Helen, how to make your troubled son enjoy the summer holidays, sit down with you and do a school project. That poor child. It's <laughs> living the dream, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was concerned when Rob said that whole for now bit that definitely stuck out to me this week. Mm. It's like, oh, hello. <laughs> Where's yeah. this going? <laughs> I didn't enjoy Friday's episode at no. all. I didn't like it. It made me feel so uncomfortable. I realised I had to listen again today, just before we recorded, because yes. I'd started to listen to it and it had obviously made me feel uncomfortable. So I'd gone and done stuff in the house. <laughs> and then this morning I was thinking, I don't think I actually listened <laughs> to Friday's episode properly. So... Yeah, I had to go through it twice, unfortunately. Not pleasant listening at all. But Tracy, that was a great call. Thank you so much for that. And now we go on to Glyn, who is wondering about the camping trip. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here, phoning in on a Tuesday. Oh, so very early in the week. Just actually finished listening to last week's Dumpty Dum podcast. I agree with Philippa that rolling around in cake is a waste of good cake. She said something about... What will happen when Seren and Nova next go to a National Trust cafe? Hmm. I can't see Tom and Natasha as National Trust members myself. In fact, I don't think anyone in Ambridge has ever actually heard of the National Trust, but I'm sure someone will put me right on that. Also, on Will, I agree with with the spoon that we've been on a journey with Will, but I think it's been a revolution in the sen- in the scientific sense of a 360 degree circle rather than evolution. I think Will is more or less now back to the person he was when he was a teenager under the, under the wing of George Barford and before the whole love triangle. But he is being manipulated by George, and I can't quite see how this house thing is going to work out. I think Hannah's going to be... Yeah, George is definitely going to get using it to get back at Hannah and get her evicted from number one, the green. Finally, Pip and Stella, I think the scriptwriters are leading us a bit of a merry dance. Does Pip actually know that Stella is gay? Wasn't the conversation where we learned that Stella was gay with Ruth? And perhaps all that talk of partner when they were having the three bottles of Malbec was actually deliberately ambiguous. And whenever they get to the camping trip, things may go horribly wrong. Anyway. Goodbye. See you soon. Yeah, I I don't know, actually. That's quite a good point. Who heard about the fact that Stella's gay? But I do feel like they have been hanging out quite Mm. a bit, so it may have come up in conversation that we've maybe not heard. But if they're doing this camping trip together, then that's definitely a test on a relationship, (laughs) whether it's going to work or not. I think they'll soon work out if they like each other or not in that way, or even if they can put up with each other as friends trying to put a tent up. Because uh, it can't be can't be that fun all the time. We've just come back from a festival earlier in the month and it rained so hard. It rained into the tent. We just, yeah, we just ended up sitting on the bed watching the rain coming through the door and uh, drank half a bottle of tequila rose and fell asleep. <laughs> so if it goes like that, that's fine. You see, yeah, Pip not thinking about summer holidays until it is actually summer holidays. I'm sorry that I don't. 
I don't get yeah. that. People are planning things before, but poor Rosie going camping. I'm afraid my view is if there's no marble in the bathroom, I'm not going anywhere. That That's my sort of cut off <laughs> thing. I just can't do it. I just can't. But I wish I could because it looks so freeing and memorable. Dump. <laughs> So after that pretty <laughs> awful experience earlier this month, do you still are you still pro camping? Oh yeah, we booked to go to the same festival next year, so it's fine. <laughs> we just need a new tent. We uh, we had to recycle the old one. It was not coming home with us, unfortunately. When you say recycled, you mean well? Well, it's Eddie picked it up, and is he using it <laughs> exactly. for the market? Yes, yes, it's, it was big enough. It was like a palace. I did feel sorry for Pip kind of when they were talking about not being able to go on holiday and everything because, yeah, money's yeah. tight and also if they're busy on the farm and everything and work-wise, it, it is impossible to get away. But, yeah, you do plan in advance. Yeah, and it is hard as a parent when your kid's at school and saying, oh, so-and-so's going to this place and so-and-so's going to that place. You know, you do feel bad. Yeah, Glenn, that was a brilliant call. Thank you so much for that. And now we go to Jen, who wants us to think about Fallon. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dumland, Jen here. And I think it's time we talked about Fallon. Set up of how the character is being portrayed. Fallon was always very intelligent, very driven, go out there and get it, passionate about her music. She was actually a really good character and a good friend. And she's just turning into a very frustrated, whiny, unhappy woman. And, and you know, it's not nice to see. There's not many characters in the, in the soap that are childless by choice. And it would be great to see her putting all that energy and being successful and just enjoying her life, which she really doesn't seem to be at the moment. This business about the, the leaf and having to bake the perfect birthday cake and suck up to the family and be so nice to them and expecting an emotional relationship. Rubbish. She's a businesswoman. We should be hearing discussions about her contract and her original contract and clauses in it to protect her from things like them pulling out of major marketing opportunities like Open Farm Sunday. Maybe putting some KPIs in there that if they're not getting a certain footfall through the shop, that her rent is reduced. There's all kinds of ways this could be approached in, in a more sensible business-like fashion. And I think Fallon would be the character to do it. Few of the options she could have, she could take a unit at Sawyer's and go in for catering rather than having a tea room. She could take a lease out of Ian's book and get a not have rent at all, buy herself a little pop-up van, go around the festivals, which would be more interesting to her with her love of music. She could be sucking up to Justin might do her an awful lot more good and being trying to get in on the ground at the EV station. She really thinks that would be useful. But yeah, so showing her just an emotional, whiny, miserable person. Yes, Jen, thank you. I think Fallon is suffering from a case of being harassed. I think Harrison has made her boring. I think she spent too much time with him talking about cash isolates and not enough about music and and about life. She needs to be stronger and more independent. She used to be. And why Bridge Farm can't just tell her about the Rob situation? I don't know. You know, they need to build up people looking out for Rob and being aware and therefore being aware of Henry. You know, if Adam had known about the problems with Rob, he might have treated Henry on his phone around the polytunnels differently. You know, people need to be aware. So, yeah, Fallon needs to move on and just not allow Bridge Farm to just be so dull they can't even discuss what's going to happen with Fallon and her lease. I'm fuming and Jen, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> There's three of us there. <laughs> no, I, I definitely think that um, Bridge Farm need to be saying about Rob to people. You're right. It's, I mean, someone like Fallon as well, She's she lives with Harrison. Well, she's with Harrison. She's used to keeping things quiet and everything. So if they if they kind of said, look, don't tell people, but this is yes. the, this is what's happening, she would be a lot more understanding, but also... I feel like she's someone who's not a gossip like Susan. So she would be kind of trusted with that information if they didn't want it getting out. But yeah, they do need to start telling people like Adam and people like that. Absolutely. Yeah, form a sort of a layer of protection in the village to try and yeah, help. Yeah, just people on the lookout. But yeah, Fallon does need to kind of get their lust for life back again. Um, 
just enjoy being childless out of choice and everything and just live your yeah. life to the max because yes. that's what it's for. Come on. Absolutely. And Jen's got some great business ideas. Jen, we need to parachute you in there and you can have a word with Fallon and sort her out. There's so Definitely. many opportunities. Well, that was another great call. Oh, and I should just say thank you so much because the days that the calls come in now, it always used to be that people would wait till Friday's episode and then the calls would come in. And because we're recording early, very early on Saturday morning, we can't take those calls now. And people are calling in through the week. They're not waiting till Friday's episode. And that is brilliant. It gives us a much wider range of calls. So interesting. We're getting all the support from you caller inners. So yeah, a huge thank you from all of us on the team for that. But now let's go to Laura, who has questions that need answering. Hi there, it's Laura from Bedfordshire, first time corner inner or WhatsApp inner with a few non-storyline plot points. First one, when do we think Great Gables is going to reopen? I think the renovation's been going on for a year, year and a half now. When we were there for Tracy's illicit Hindu a few weeks ago, Sounded like the function rooms and the bar were completely renovated, completely ready to go. Even the bar was fully stocked. Yet we haven't heard anything about recruitment, anyone getting their jobs back, a grand opening. I'm thinking possibly Christmas, but who knows? Secondly, and related, Ardil. Where's he gone? After his heart to heart with Brian at the late May Fest, and I was finding out about his wife's death, I thought there's going to be a real like storyline there. And he, again, he's just disappeared off the face of the earth. And finally, Freddie. Did he make it to Ibiza to fulfil his DJing dreams or has he gone back to be a volunteer coordinator with his tail between his legs? Who knows? Again, a story that seems to have disappeared. If he did make it to Ibiza, I hope he's not suffering too much in the heat wave. Anyway, thanks so much for the podcast and thanks for those in the Facebook group who encouraged me to ring in. Thanks. Bye. Yay. Welcome, Laura. Yeah, Grey Gables is the biggest question at the minute, definitely. It might be a good idea to do a Christmas opening, I'm guessing. Maybe kind of Christmas lunch and all the Christmas office parties and things like that. I don't know. Maybe that is a good time for them to open. But you'd have thought they'd be quite keen to be getting people in for weddings and functions, things like that, just to get people back in the building. Very, very strange. And then Ardil has just vanished who knows where <laughs> well yeah these are great questions laura and as usual we don't have <laughs> great answers <laughs> <laughs> we found out this week obviously the script writers had heard that you were questioning about freddie and we've discovered that freddie is in lisbon not the dj capital as far as i'm aware <laughs> but you you never know yes on holiday with johnny not djing so that's very perplexing now i do have news ardil is on next week yay so we'll hear some hear something from him and yeah I was wondering if they're going to open Grey Gables at Christmas are they waiting to get over the Rob storyline because there's only so much big news that they can fit in and if Rob's only got a few months I don't know I I I can imagine the script writers there sort of shuffling around the order of events and wondering what to do but Laura is absolutely right. It, it sounded like it was completely ready. So they're just losing money. But then no business in Ambridge seems to be run effectively with an eye on profit. <laughs> so, yeah, it will never open. It will open in 10 years time, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Laura, for that. That was a brilliant call. Do call again. And now we go to Rob who is trying to understand George's intentions. Hello there, Katie and Philippa, our very own KP Snacks. Which one's the Pombe? Which one's the Hula Hoop? <laughs> Let you lot decide. Phoning in this week to ramble on a bit about George. What is George's point? What's he doing? Is he just one of those people who just wants to see the world burn? What is he doing with Henry? I mean, what, what is he actually hoping to get out of this? I mean, I, th I, I don't know... He's not going to get money from it. He's not going to benefit in any way that I can see. He's just doing it to be sheer bloody-minded. At least the thing with getting Hannah evicted is a bit of petty revenge on that part. Whether it'll actually go the distance, I don't know. Obviously, Will's going to turn off and say to her, to Hannah, oh, well, at least George was pleasant about trying to get you to spend more time with your mother or something like that. And she's going to say, what? and then tell him the truth about what he actually said. 
it's it's all going to end spectacularly badly, which I suppose is what the uh, script writers are aiming for. More spectacle, more kerfuffle. But I'm just wondering what is really, why is he actually doing half of what he's doing? Maybe it needs somebody with a bit, bit clearer thoughts, like Witherspoon, to be able to work out what is going on with the boy. But for me, I don't know. I just struggle and I just hope it doesn't go too fast, too far and make, make an absolute mess of things even more than he already has done. Anyway, that's enough of my babbling and wibbling on. Take care, everybody. See you soon. Bye now. <laughs> Rob, KP Snacks, I never thought of that one. That is absolutely <laughs> I love a hula hoop. I pretend I don't like pom bears, but if, you know, the kids are eating them, I'll happily crunch my way through through those but Tyrrell crisps are also a kp snack who knew until robin mentioned the kp snack thing i had no idea there's there's a lot of different brands that they have katie there's a whole wonderful world especially knickknacks <laughs> i like a nice and spicy knickknack they're kp oh yes that's true <laughs> mccoy's they do oh there's, i don't there's... like crinkle crisps oh don't you oh i love nah. a crinkle crisp no nah, i'm out oh well that okay so i'll be the crinkle crisp <laughs> And you be the nice and spicy Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, there, and there we have it. But yes, Rob, you are absolutely right. I love the word kerfuffle, by the way. How is William going to cope financially? Again, has he actually got his calculator out and thought about this? He's not making much money. He's just doing, isn't he doing deliveries for a bridge farm of fresh, fresh? He can't be making much money. So what sort of rent was he charging Hannah and Johnny? It's got surely it's got to be at least five hundred quid a month, maybe from each of them. I don't I don't know. And it's not just that money. It's then George is there expecting Will to cook for him. George isn't going to do any cleaning. George isn't going to contribute to all the bills. And the way George plays video games, the electricity bill is going to be very high. Basically, Will is going to be down by at least a thousand pounds a month. Uh, where's that money coming from? How has he thought about it? William is so gullible. Know your son. Ed asked Will to be tougher with George and ends up getting walked all over. And Emma was reluctant for George to move just to live in his gaming room and started whittering on about pizza, popcorn, film nights. How is she going to feel about this? It's awful. Giving him rewards for bad behaviour. I don't like it. No. And also I'm wondering whether it's going to kind of it is all going to come to a head soon, or is it just going to be one of these things that just bubbles away and he just becomes a proper villain? I feel like he might just kind of keep keep digging away at people and I'm not sure he's going to get his comeuppance anytime soon. Yeah, I think you're right. Most of the week, I was willing George to have his comeuppance and it all be resolved. But after Friday, I just want Rob to get his comeuppance and, and I'm fine listening to George. You know, I think George is a bit like when you put too much salt on a meal, but you'll just about cope with it. You'll grimace your way through it. <laughs> Whereas Rob is like you've put, you've turned the salt cellar upside down and it's, it's just a meal you can't even face. It's just they're two different types of evil at this stage. I can see that uh, George could develop into a full-on Rob, but I, I can cope with George now after hearing Rob. I just can't deal with Rob. No, definitely not. There we go. But our Rob, our dum-de-dumber Rob, we can cope with him. And that was a brilliant call. And those are the first five calls. There are more absolutely wonderful ones coming up shortly. So hold on for those. Now, if you'd like to contribute to this complete madness, you would be so very welcome. There are three ways you can get involved. The first option is to record a message or a plot prediction by going to speakpipe.com forward slash dumpty dum. Don't forget the T in the middle. The next option is to send us a voice note or message via WhatsApp on 07810012881 or plus 44 and remove the first zero if you're calling from outside the UK. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes. Or finally, you can email us. We have a new email you can contact us on if you'd rather write to us with your views. Maximum of 250 words, please. The email address, drumroll, is... How exciting. I know. Totally threw me. Let me keep you quiet about that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, the email is <laughs> dumptydum at mail.com. Let's repeat that. 
dumptydum at mail.com. Do bear in mind, you need to be at least 18 to take part and contribute. Sorry about that, Katie. I just <laughs> love it. Anyway, don't worry about trying to write all of those down as we've provided links to the three ways of contributing. You'll find those links in the show notes for this episode. They are there now waiting for you. But before we go back to our caller inners, let's go to our Stephen for another brilliant two minute history, this time on the subject of pigs in Ambridge. This is the BBC Live programme. Here is the news. In light of recent events at Barrow, here is a two-minute history of pigs in Ambridge. Phil Archer was very keen on pigs, setting up a breeding operation at Coombe Farm in 1953, and then in 1962 setting up a pig unit at Hollow Tree Farm. Joe Grundy also kept a couple of pigs in the 1970s, which unsurprisingly escaped and devastated the garden at Nightingale Farm. Grundy's returned to pig-keeping when they bought Grundy's Field in 2003. In the mid-90s, John Archer decided that he wanted to expand the pig operation he was then running at Willow Farm with Neil and turn it organic, moving the herd to Bridge Farm, despite opposition from Neil, who felt organic farming was a flash in the pan. After John's death in 1998, Tom took over the Bridge Farm pigs with Haley's help, but by 2005, the business was in trouble. Brian agreed to bail Tom out, but only if the pigs moved to home farm and lost their organic status. Three years later, when Pat and Tony were buying Bridge Farm, they asked Tom to bring the pigs back, which led to an extended battle with Brian. In 2012, Borchester Land had plans to build a mega dairy on the Barrow estate. This aroused fierce opposition from many locals. Debbie had the bright idea of setting up a mega pig unit instead, but it was six years later in 2018 that the Barrow pig unit was actually created, and Susan was delighted when Justin Elliott offered Neil the job of manager. It hasn't all been plain sailing in the pig world. Ambridge saw an outbreak of swine fever in 1953, foot and mouth in 1956, swine vesicular disease in 1974, scouring in 1996, and a return of foot and mouth in 2001. Neil's concerns about biosecurity are hardly misplaced. On a brighter note, in 1996, filming took place at Lower Loxley, and Julia Pargeter learned she was to be in a scene with Marlon Brando. She was bitterly disappointed when she discovered that this Marlon Brando was actually a pig. Other notable pigs in Ambridge have included Colonel Danby's boar Edric, Phil Archer's beloved middlewhite sow Frieda, finally sent to market in 1982, Tom's escapologist Jurok boar Eric, Susan Horobin's Pinky, won at the village fete in 1973, which Neil helped her look after, Barbarella, Eddie Grundy's Berkshire Sow, which he called Babs, and Basil, the boar with the low libido that Rex had problems with at Hollow Tree before he relocated to Lower Loxley. Missing from this list is Ed's Pepper Pig, so named by Poppy. Pepper Pig was, in fact, a Texel ram. Wow, I had no idea there was such a history of pigs. Stephen, you've pulled it out of the bag once more. Bravo. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. 
It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Right, let's get back to our calls. And next we have David, who is wondering when Emma will draw the line. What a dark, Emma's everywhere. Lisa met her job. It's David from Clarkenshire. I'm just calling in to say what a good week has been on the arches. I actually found the Grundy men waiting for Clary to come home to cook their dinner. Absolutely repellent. What an awful family. And I do really feel sorry for any women in that family, especially with George's antics. Speaking of which, I really believe that the character of Hannah is so well written and so acted. I know that she will be George's nemesis, but there will be some bumps on the road from here on in, I'm sure. They won't be all niche and tidy. I think that Emma is also an interesting character in, in this situation. Is she going to wash her hands of George and cut all ties when she finds out what he's really and what he's going to do in the future? Or will, will she be one of these mums who defends him come what may and will be spending her life visiting him in prison? Who knows? But it's a great story. Really well written. Really well acted. And I'm enjoying it. Anyway, that's all for now. Hold on, Matro. Bye. Yeah, I've realised that I'm definitely not meant to be a, a woman in the Grundy family because I do not cook at all. So they would all be waiting a very, very long time for their dinner. That would not be happening. Nor do I. I, I hate Ugh, cooking. It's horrible. Yes, I'm very happy to eat other people's cooking. <laughs> exactly the same. Is Emma going to defend George or wash her hands of him? can definitely see her visiting him in jail, I think, unfortunately. Mm. But yeah. Uh, she really needs to wake up, but not a huge Emma fan, so I'm not sure she's going to. Yeah, I was so interested in that call, Dave, and what you had to say. And yes, the Grundy men just waiting for Clary to come and cook dinner and how awful it was. I thought it was awful about Will. I honestly thought Will wouldn't go ahead with George's suggestion that they move in to the cottage together. I thought it can't, because they left it on the, that sort of cliffhanger with one of the episodes this week. And I thought, there's no way Will's going to agree to this. He's already said he's going to be tougher on George. He's going to, you know, watch him more. And and then we got this, I couldn't believe it. And the phone call, as we said on Friday, was just awful. I can't cope with Robbie. That I oh, I'm not coping with. <laughs> Robbie's insane, isn't he? He's twisting. He's twisting it. And he knew Henry was going to call him. He had, mm. he, he was waiting for that phone call and just poor Henry. I mean, more on that, but some really good points, David. Thank you so much for that call. And now we go to Claire from Clapham, who doesn't understand why Johnny is going away. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. I'm calling in on Thursday, but I meant to call in yesterday because Wednesday's episode was, well, I mean, we've had some dark things at Bridge Farm, but there was really dark, like this whole thing where, first of all, Johnny wouldn't go off for like weeks and weeks and weeks in the summer, even if he was accompanying Freddie. I just don't understand that dynamic in the first place. And then to have him go off on a boat to Uruguay. I mean, that's totally ridiculous for a whole host of reasons. And it is, like, there are all sorts of ways the scripties could have managed to give him, I don't know, out of the farm and leave space with George to be employed there instead. Although, why isn't Ed the first choice? Ed has very good experience of running his own herd. They want the one for cows. Then why don't we just get Ed to do stuff? Do not understand that. Yeah, all very strange. And it's all there just to... Create the vacuum so that, you know, something malicious can happen, I suppose. I don't know. Anyway, and I'm sure we're all starting to wish that Pat's going to take the shotgun to George rather than Rob these days because he's been so awful. Might as well have a twirly moustache. Yeah, so vindictive and malevolent and horrible. Who hope that something happens to get him in line and his parents will sort that out? I think they've all recognised that Hannah's not wrong. So, you know. And also, point of order in today's episode, something about Will being left the house by his Aunt Rosie or whatever it was. Actually, no, he wasn't. He was left a legacy of money and he bought the house outbidding Roy Tucker at the time. And it was very um, problematic. So that's my little housing point of order. Speak to you soon. Bye. Oh, brilliant. Thanks so much, Claire, for that. Yes. Freddie and Johnny are in Lisbon. I mean, as I said earlier, who who knew? I'm sorry, but Johnny is not a sailor. He's got a job, 
that he's studied for and wanted to do. He's going to be a winch grinder for four <laughs> months. I mean, you know, what is he going to end up on that reality show below deck or something? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> hey, do you know, I'll be there. I'll be there for it. <laughs> but Helen always has trouble taking things in. She said, oh, I've got trouble taking it in. Oh, come on, Helen, let's just make some decisions. Johnny is 25 and they had to have a look at the photo of the boat to decide if they thought it was going to be safe or not. Yes, Helen's identified that she's not an expert. We all knew that. But thought from one photograph that it looked pretty sturdy. It's just nonsense. And all this ageism, Helen going on about, oh, you are 72, Tony. 72 is nothing. It's more whether he wants to do it. I don't know. I mean, I'm presuming this was all done so Johnny could get kicked out of the cottage by Will and that there's going to be some plot issue, but just awful, painful, wrong. Yeah, it, it's strange, the whole boat thing for Johnny, because he's working at the farm in the Midlands, which is the most kind of <laughs> landlocked area you can possibly be. And then suddenly he discovers a thing called a boat and he's like... Oh. I want to go on a boat. <laughs> That's it now. So Pirate Johnny, I think. Well, and all he's been doing, he hasn't actually been on the boat yet. He's just been out drinking <laughs> with with the boys from the boat. It's just like he might step on that boat and suddenly decide he's seasick. I just... <laughs> Definitely. And also, I am all, I'm loving the idea of George with a twirly moustache. Yes. There we are. John is in Lisbon. He's going off for four months. To be a winch grinder, I mean. Obviously. Uh, they must, I think they've changed the coffee in the script writing room at the Arches. <laughs> and I think they've gone from some sort of decaf instant coffee to an espresso machine because they are coming up with some stuff. <laughs> Definitely. Ping-ponging around. Yes. Well, that's a brilliant call, Claire. Thank you. And now we go to Catherine, who is back from the pub and has questions. Hi, it's Catherine. I've just been to the pub, so apologies. Right, so I don't understand how terrible George has gone from being awful. I mean, a really shocking incident, wasn't it? All last week was just brilliant. All sorts of bombshell after the other. After being terrible to his mother, to his father, to his stepfather, to being totally forgiven within 24 hours. Now, regular listeners will know that I tend to put this on as I'm going to bed. And so sometimes I do fall asleep and miss vital instants. I don't see any moment where anyone's sort of said, hey, let's move on or anything like that. He has just been so abusive in a way that even if parents do the parenty thing and forgive, it would take them a bit of time. Yet, within a week, he has gone from being so abusive and rude and insulting to, sorry, my pizza time has just gone off, to, to somehow having the power again. How have they given him sort of power over everything? And he seems to have got back to the part where he can eject power and everyone forgives him. I don't understand this. Also, how come Johnny has gone from Oh, I'm a bit of a way. Now I'm travelling around the world to being a sailor. It's a nonsense, isn't it? But very instance on, on the role and the, the power George has over his parents and everybody else. And how do people think his undoing will happen? Firstly, never apologise for going to the pub. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely not needed. Secondly, what pizza? You can't leave us hanging <laughs> yeah. on. Yes. Is it going to be Hawaiian? Is it margarita? Is it meat? You know, you can't just leave it at pizza timer. Yeah, George has been forgiven far too quickly. I just, I, there'd definitely be at least silent treatment. I think I'd be locked in my room if I spoke to my parents like that. I don't think I'd see the light of day for quite a while. <laughs> but he's just out and about and decides he wants to move in with his dad and everything's fine. Yeah, very strange. He needs to get his comeuppance. And that boy knows how to apologise because he went crawling to Oliver to say sorry for damaging the bench. Yeah. I mean, again, it didn't feel sincere at that point. But the boy knows that he to say sorry is the right thing to do if you want to move forward. But he's not apologised. He just doesn't care. And as you say, as Catherine says, it's... it's it's the power that he's got to go in 24 hours from giving such abuse to still holding the power cards. It makes no sense. I never thought when Hannah was first introduced that I would love her so much because when she was attacking our Neil, I wasn't impressed with her. But now Hannah, I just want more and more Hannah. I think her character is great. And the fact that she stands up to George is 
just wonderful. Yeah, how is George going to get his comeuppance? I don't know. I th- I feel like it's going to drag on a bit. I think the Rob situation yeah. might be resolved before George, mm. but I don't. Know. I'd love to hear Rob manipulating George and see how that. Oh, that would be goes. fascinating. Yeah, because they are so good. Both of them are so yeah. good at mind games. Just the way they could play each other. Oh, it would be fascinating. It would be so good. Just put them in a room together. Yes. I think Rob would still win that battle, unfortunately. Yeah. Because despite all his bravado, George is an immature little brat. But yes. (laughs) Yeah, we need the pizza details, Catherine. We absolutely do. And that was a great call. Thanks so much for that. Now we go to Bernadette, who is concerned about the issue of class. Bernadette Hawks here, Archers fan 2015. Rant number, oh, I don't know. Anyway, along with my fellow listener and real-life chum, Tindara, at Olive McSee Dotty, Twitter, we, oh, Doty, we are concerned about issues of class in The Archers. The working-class characters are invariably portrayed as stupid, crass, lazy and bumbling idiots, or as in the case of the Grundies, criminal or potentially criminal. The men are mostly unreconstructed, As parents, the working class are seen as bad or indifferent. Phoebe is the only child who lived with her working class parent, Roy, who's been allowed to escape, first to Oxford and then to Scotland. Is this because she's half an old rich? To be fair, there has been some introduction of late of the notion of bad middle class parents, but their mistakes are largely covered up, ignored and quickly forgotten. The SEs and SWs need to stop using the working class as the butt of jokes and ciphers for harebrained schemes. I, for one, found Shakespeare's rude mechanicals boring and irritating. The Grundys et al. fall into the same category. Thank you for listening. Bye. Yes, Bernadette, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think you're quite right. And it's an issue that needs addressing. It just, it feels wrong when you hear it. And this fate business coming up, I think that could be painful. And poor Claria cooking again and this apple pie that they lured Brad in with. But my question to you, Katie, sorry for me being flippant, but you can rely on me for to be flippant. When you're having an apple pie, what are you having with it? Is it your cream? Is it your custard? Or is it your ice cream? Custard with the skin on. Oh, no. (laughs) I thought we were friends, Katie. This is... You're there with your non-crunchy crisps and you're you're in your wet tent. And now now you... Not only do you have custard, it's got the skin on. Yeah, it's all unravelling now, isn't it? (laughs) It really is. We've got fundamental issues here. Well, what's your choice? Or it would have to be um, cream, really thick, clotted cream, ideally. But the thicker the cream, the better. Nice. Yeah, definitely. No, it's it's always skin on custard for me. There we go. What's your view on how class is treated by the archers? Because it just seemed so wrong. I do think it ends up just being a bit of a cliche. Yeah. So you've kind of got the posh ones and then you've got the working class ones who, yeah, like Bernadette said, a lazy criminals and all of that and yeah it's just the typical cliche of let's have the Grundies kind of scrounging around at the bottom waiting for well I think both classes in the archers would wait for the women to cook the food but it would end up just being the working class doing all the skivvy stuff and it's all it always goes wrong for the Grundies and the Horribins but everything's always slightly better for the Aldridges and mm. things like that it's mm. yeah it's definitely a big cliche about class mm. Uh, the the other question I have is about this party at Trace's house. Was it really Trace's dad that had the party? I mean, I thought he couldn't even put his own socks on. How is he having no. a party and then cleaning everything up? Susan didn't mention that, that their dad had gone off at all. Surely it was George. Or was it Ardil getting pay, payback on Tracy having the hen night at the hotel? No. It, I, don't underst- I don't understand the relevance of that and... And I don't understand who had that party. I need the details. Yeah, it, it, that seemed like a really odd thing. I mean, first of all, you can have a party without your socks on. So maybe you just didn't yeah. put your socks on. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, true. it can happen. But it just seemed like a bit of a U-turn. It was kind of, did the scriptwriters think that it was going to be kind of a, a Mia and Brad romance kind of party and then they cleared up and then the scriptwriters just changed their mind and they were like, oh, let's just make it Tracy's dad, you know. <laughs> 
move on, change that storyline. He'd just put a statue in the garden, which I still don't understand either. Very odd. Oh, dear. But Bernadette, that was a super cool. Thank you so much. And now we go to Richard, who is seething about George. Hello, everybody. It's Richard Beveridge here. Biffo prop on the Twixters or whatever it's called this week. Calling in while still fizzing a little after Thursday's episode. I was appalled at Will's decision to evict Hannah. Will should really know better after the Meadow Rise experience. I'm also curious to know how he's going to serve notice to Johnny while he's hang gliding across the Bay of Biscay or whatever it is. I have a feeling there may be a rent tribunal in waiting here. More appalling than this is George's implied threat of withdrawing Hannah's damage deposit, not his place. I do hope Hannah's recording her interactions in advance of said rent tribunal. And failing that, I hope she's planning to stitch prawns into the curtain hems and insert a dead cat under the floorboards. This was topped only by the rather malevolent turn Brad's conversation took with Eddie and Will about Mia. We want to talk to you alone. I got the feeling Eddie might have spent some of his youth as an arm breaker, nasty sort of criminality and not the sort of pseudo-comic petty crime that he involved, he's engaged in now. And then the reversion to type. How long's tea, Dad? Well, your grandma's not home yet. Poor old George doesn't really stand a chance. Three generations of misogyny can't be wrong. Lazy lot of Sir Anthony's, the lot of them. But great compliments to Angus Scobie, who has joined Molly Pipe as another in the pantheon of great young actors that are appearing in the show at the moment. Hope all are well. I hope you're enjoying a good summer. I hope everyone's noticed that the run into the Rugby World Cup has begun. And fond love to all, especially Philippa's dad. Tinkity top. I definitely think Hannah should get her own back on George after that whole conversation. Yeah, I I think the prawns in the curtains and everything is a genius idea. Instead of being scared of George, just trash the place, just hide smelly stuff everywhere, damage things, but not obviously. Just enough for it to cause a problem further down the line kind of thing. Because she ain't going to get her money back anyway. That's true, actually. With George acting this way, she might as well just go hell for leather and... Yeah, cause problems. Yes, because George was trying to sound really sinister at that point and Hannah just wasn't having any of it. No, it was brilliant. Yeah, and can Will serve notice to Johnny if he's literally below deck? I don't know, because, it, yeah, it'll depend how contactable he is and he's got to have notice and everything. And what's going to happen to all his stuff if he's on a boat somewhere? Are they just going to chuck all of his stuff into the am? I don't know where. Yes. what's going to happen. Maybe Johnny's going to come back and then live with Rex in the canal boat. And then they'll sail away. Yeah, together forever. Wonderful. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, that's a great call, Richard. <laughs> Thank you so much. Love the Tinkety Tonk. And thank you for the mention of my dad. Let's go on to Catherine for the second time, who has just heard Friday's episode. As the music fades away, I literally have just rushed to the phone to see if I can squeeze this in for this week. Well, Rob and Henry on the phone. Apart from the fact that the Archer's phone sound effect sounds nothing like a real voice on a phone, it was brilliant. I'd like to propose that we officially retire the term Henry because Henry finally sounds like a real person, not an acting school person reading the lines, totally plausible, racked by indecision and guilt. However, I'd like some help from the team, please. How has this all started? Again, another instance where I turn on the Archer's as I'm going to sleep and seem to miss a whole plot development. How has Rob wheedled his number? Uh, into Henry's phone, or has he just nicked it from his mum? What is going to happen with this relationship? Um, and I did laugh about Lonely Cow. No, no one remembers Lonely Cow. Um, but it's just too exciting. Catherine, thank you. Love the second call. Love what you've said. Yes. Now, my understanding is that Henry got George to find Rob's number. George went on social media and to me, it was sounding, as we said, like Rob was expecting the call. So Rob, if you wanted to get hold of him, would put his phone number out, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Rob would put his telephone number out there as a beacon so that if Henry wanted to find it, he could. The, the thing is, Rob is only using Henry to get to Jack and that makes it, you know, even worse that he's then going to ditch Henry just as he did when he was trying to take Jack with him. 
and left Henry and, and said, no, Henry, you stay there. I'm just taking Jack. It's Oh, it's going to end badly. Yeah, it's just mind games on mind games because you kind of think, oh, Rob's trying to win mm. Henry over. But yeah, it's not. It's just to get to Jack. So he's trying to win him over, but then moving on. It's not that he wants Henry or anything. But I agree with with what Catherine said. The Henry actor is brilliant. Yes. He's doing a really good job at this. Yeah. I agree. Bravo, bravo. And bravo yeah. for those calls. Thank you all so much for calling in. We love them. Do call in next week. And now on to our WhatsApp inra. And we have a message from Hannah who says, I've grown up with the archers on in the background. We all knew to be quiet when it was on. In 2015, I had to move back in with my parents for a bit and became hooked. I'm ashamed to say it took me far too long to find this brilliant group and I love it. It is the highlight of my weekly podcast listens. On holiday recently with a tour group, I was deemed a true archers fan, as not only was I making sure that I listened to the evening episodes on sounds, but they also discovered I have the Dum De Dum podcast. Thank you, Hannah, for that lovely message. Thank you. And now we have a plot prediction that came in just two minutes ago. So we're including it. And it's from the wonderful Lillian, who says, Hi, Philippa and Katie. I predict that following the conversation between Will and Hannah, Hannah will return to Barrow and tell Neil what has happened. Neil will then offer her a room at Ambridge View, which will make Susan furious. But Neil will insist that Hannah is allowed to move in as he will not want to lose a good work colleague. I also think that George will manipulate Clary into persuading Will that it will be better for Poppy to remain at Grange Farm instead of moving to number one, the green, with her father and brother. Thanks once again for the podcast. Kind regards, Lillian. Oh my goodness, Lillian, that's a yeah. That's, yes, those are. I mean, there's two predictions there, but yeah, I think you're spot on with those. Yeah, I think they're fab. It's a really good idea. It would definitely kind of keep it all going and bubbling over, rather than Hannah just having to move away or whatever. And uh, it keeps it all in the family. Then I think that's quite a good idea. Thank you, Hannah, and thank you, Lillian, for those messages. Now, let's move on to Facebook, and we need to say an how-do to you too. Jenny, Anthea, Laura, Shanti, Anne, Gemma. Liz, Biz, Melly, Alison, Elizabeth, Nick and Jackie. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for the roundup with our Bernadette. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. This is Bernadette Hawks. Archers fan 2015 on Twitter, Bernadette Hawks, aka Dance Queen DQ on Facebook. Hello, people. This is my first and probably last social media roundup on the Archers. I doubt they'll ask me again. My week has been hellish, battling with the banks and utilities, and then I dropped one of my laptops, which has since been behaving very strangely. As a consequence of this stressful week, I haven't been able to include the names of many of the contributors to the Dumpty Dum group who have made some interesting and in some cases controversial comments about the goings-on in Ambridge this week. I should say that Social Media Roundup was written before the Friday evening episode of The Archers. This week, the Dumpty Dum group has been all about George, George Grundy, formerly known as Georgie by his devoted and to our minds delusional mother, Emma. I won't comment about the slap, which Emma served up to his face, I presume. Safe to say, the effects of it seem to have the dumpty dummers, including myself, reeling, and some of us are still in recovery, can't quite decide which side of the fence we're on. Anyway, the group is divided regarding the George storyline. Whilst I have praised the writing and the story, like others, I have found it a tad wearing. What has happened to our everyday story of country folk? George has history. His biological origins appear to have induced teasing and bullying from school chums. Some listeners think this couldn't have harmed him enough to produce the behaviour we are now enduring. Others are going for the psychological and or true crime podcast outcome, thereby considering the nature versus nurture debate. Whilst others believe in the biological theories that it's all about his brain. George has demonstrated misogynistic tendencies to the point where some Dumpty Dummers, and myself included, fear for Hannah's physical safety. There is also anxiety among the Dumpty Dummers about Henry, expressed by Paul Newman. George appears to be working on getting him into his clutches. Henry, that is, or so it seems. It is not clear yet whether he's being manipulated by Rob and or Miles or doing it off his own bat. Other residents in George's sight, pardon the shooting expression, 
appear to be Mia, and we shouldn't forget Fallon, although he may have received Harrison's soft warning as a rejection by Fallon. I think the majority of listeners would be able to cope with a George storyline in small doses, but a real-time, heavily focused on his behaviour will be too much for some. And the archers could lose listeners. Lillian McCarthy points out that they, the SWs and SEs, can't win. It's either too much drama and or realism or not enough. It's a fair point. Question is, are the archers listeners ready for a serial killer or a village shooter who has lived amongst them? I'm not sure. Dumpty Dummers, I've engaged with our Marcos Lastro Castro, Dusty Jorgensen. Sarah Farmer asked a sensible question, who will pay the rent at number one, the green? Charlie Bird recommended The Psychopath Test by John Ronson. Not the kind of book I'd want to take to bed. Helen Blackburn hopes that there's going to be another conversation between Will and Hannah where she explains what actually was said between them. Al Williams expanded on the Grundy's living arrangement from a historical point of view to the present. He said it was simple. It's anything but. Witherspoon referred to George as the artful dodger, but without a singing voice, whilst hoping that he does not turn out to be a Bill Sykes. Well, all this speculation is entertaining. We can only hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Mine's a slice of cake, followed by a gin and tonic. Thank you so much, Bernadette. That was great. And thanks to everyone on the Dum Dum Facebook group. Now, Katie, did we receive any podcast reviews this week? We did. We received two and they were both five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Our first review is from Daisy Bell. The review is called Great Programme. My husband and I love The Archers. We discuss it during the week and then I love to listen to your deliberations and call her in views at the end of it. The presenters work very well together and I love the opinions of your regulars, both online and email. Carry on the good work, Daisy Bell. Thanks so much, Daisy Bell. That's really nice. Thanks. Yeah, isn't that lovely? Yeah. And our next review is from Nearly Neil. The review's called Essential Listening for Archers Fans. Dumpty Dum is a must-listen for any Archers devotees. Friendly, knowledgeable hosts with top-notch contributors and the best caller in Thank you so much, Nearly Neil, for that review. I, I would say probably Katie and I aren't the knowledgeable hosts but the contributors being top notch <laughs> we're knowledgeable about food just maybe not yeah. the archers side of things <laughs> oh thank you both so much for those lovely reviews they mean so much to the whole dumpty dum team now on to twitter where you'll find us at dumpty dum make sure you include the archers hashtag using a capital t and a so the visually impaired who use screen readers can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. As well as at Dumpty Dum, I can be found with my bookish musings at QuickBook Review with a three, not a W. And I can be found at KTP Land. So let's find out who's won the Twitter medals this week. Hello, it's Fry here. And now on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. Hello, Philippa, Katie and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen, Quentin and everyone who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. This week on Twitter, we've been refusing to refer to Twitter as X or Tweets as X's, despite the rebrand. Watch this space for more updates. But for now, the tweet along remains steadfast. We're tweeting. There was also a lot of debate about whether there's ever been a plot device as ridiculous as Johnny becoming round-the-world sailing crew with zero experience. But mostly there was rudeness about George and worry about his and Rob's influence on Henry. And so to my medals for Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's Ronnie Tropic, at underscore no name again. Mia has a hell of a teenage life. Ferret stuffing and grave flowers. Yeah, Ronnie Tropic, but she does have the best boyfriend, doesn't she? The silver medal goes to Charlie Notton, at 19CEN, quoting one of the programme blurbs during the week. There's debate at Bridge Farm. Tom and Helen front each other up about which one annoys the tweet along most at the moment. And the gold medal this week goes to Michael Vlock at Pope Vaderai. At a restaurant, and my wife asked me, do you know what a tagine is? She was surprised by my answer. Yes, and more importantly, did Jenny, God rest her soul, ever work out how to store all hers after <laughs> leaving home farm? Quite right, Michael. The important questions need answering in a week like this. Well, that's all for this week. Hope to see you all on Twitter next week. 
Oh, thank you for that, Purple Pumpkin. And congratulations to all who were mentioned in this week's roundup, but especially those medal winners. In bronze, it's Ronnie Tropic at underscore no name again. In silver, Charlie Notton at 19CEN. And in gold, Michael Vylock at Pope Vaderai. And don't forget we're on Instagram. You're ahead of Insta, aren't you, Katie? I am indeed. You can find us at Dumpty Dum. Don't forget the T again. Yeah, just keep keep on with the hashtagging of hashtag Dumpty Dum. It's great to see what everyone's been up to and anyone's ideas and the whole hashtag fine archers is quite good fun. So if anyone's got any ideas for that one, it's always great to share people's ideas. Well, next week's episode will be hosted by myself and Quentin. Yes, P and Q return. As we come to the end of this episode, we need to say thanks to all our wonderful contributors and to our social media supremos. The whole Dumpty Dum team are amazing. We must say thank you to Shambridge for her voices and our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. Thank you so much for listening and joining us today. We're off now to time how quickly we can stack the hay bales. So it's a bye bye from me. And it's a tarara bit from me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.